In the beginning, it was very clear. I'm the technical co-founder. We didn't have any investment. We didn't have an office. We bootstrapped the first time. Everybody was living in their own flat. Paul and Eric tried to get all the contracts in place, bank accounts, payment partners, all the legal stuff, basically. They really shielded me off that I had time to code for like, I don't know, 14 hours per day. Every day, Saturday, Sunday, we just thought like every day earlier we can go online, we can earn money. Welcome to Let's Talk About Tech. Today with me in the studio is Christian Trummer. He is co-founder and chief scientist of the famous unicorn Bitpanda. Great to have you. Hello, thanks for the invite. Super cool to have you here. What we try to work out in Let's Talk About Tech is always the story behind the success, right? So those stories that you have never told. And I would start at the very beginning. Where did you grow up and um, how did your entrepreneurial journey start in your youth? Yeah, I grew up in Styria. That's the south part of Austria. Uh, there, uh, on a farm, actually. So my parents are farmers. And yeah, I know how to drive a tractor. And uh, that was actually a pretty good life back then, I would say. But um, for me, it was very clear that I didn't want to um, take the farm, basically, from my parents and, and work there because I was always interested in computers and programming. And um, it's, it's just a very nice feeling when you sit in front of a computer, you write some lines of code and you can really build something. And that was the fascinating thing for me. And that's what I wanted to do. So I went to um, HTL kind of, that's a higher degree uh, college for technical um, uh, software development, basically. Um, yeah, and, and then I started to build software for a living, I would say. Of course, the, the entry there back then was um, always straightforward building websites. So um, yeah, first money I earned was building websites actually. And I can also remember um, the first job I got, I, th I think it was, I don't know, like 15 or 16. Um, back then there were these famous webmaster park boards on the internet basically where people searched for developers to, and I think it was building a guest book. And um, it was so such a strange feeling for me when somebody offered me, like, I think it was 120 euro to, to build a guest book. And this guest book was maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes coding work for me. And I thought people are crazy to pay so much money for software in the end. And, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do that, yeah. That sounds clearly like uh, in, the, in the beginning of the internet, right? You were, you were one of those that understood that there's a big future ahead. Did you always have this plan to also build your own business? Um, I no, not in the beginning. So in the beginning, I thought really, okay, um, whatever job uh, I can get, I will take it and I um, get paid by the hour, basically. Uh, I think that only happened later after some years when I figured out like, okay, there's actually a natural limit on how much uh, you can earn because there are only 24 hours per day. Uh, and there is also a limit on, on how much you can charge per hour because there is a lot of competition with other software developers who can do the same, basically. Uh, and um, I stumbled upon a, a book, which I think many people know, that's the four-hour week, uh, work week. Uh, and the guy basically there said, okay, if you want to um, earn more over a specific limit, basically, you need to build a product and you need to build something which scales. 
uh, and which is not dependent on your hours. And you obviously did great. I mean, Bitpanda today is a unicorn, but uh, it all started with you founders getting together. How did you guys meet, actually? Yeah, that's also a, a funny story. We um, all three of us actually knew Bitcoin much earlier already. I think it was like 2010, 2011. Um, I was just trading Bitcoin basically because I also one of my ideas on how to earn money was to do to be a day trader. Um, but I was not very successful there because um, I had more negative trades than positive trades. And, and long term, of course, that doesn't work out. Um, but yeah, Bitcoin was just an asset which you can trade back then. And, and naturally, when you start with stocks and, and then you trade commodities and in ETFs or CFDs, um, I just found Bitcoin, basically. And there was uh, um, a club in Austria. It's called Bitcoin Austria. Uh, and they did a meetup once per month in Graz, in Styria, and in Vienna. And I always went to the meetups in Graz. And Paul and Eric went to the meetups in Vienna, basically, to find somebody who wants to build this platform with them. And uh, one person, actually, who went to the meetup in Graz and in Vienna connected us then. And then we said, okay, um, you search for a software developer. I'm searching for a business partner because I knew Bitcoin is a great opportunity. It's something completely different. It's a, a very different asset to all the other assets. Um, and it was the great combination actually on the one side of investing, which I uh, liked back then as a day trader, and the software part, because Bitcoin is open. You can directly connect to the network. You can sign a transaction when you write some code. Uh, all the exchanges back then also had all the order books open and you had an API access. And that was the fascinating part because when you tra trade stocks, uh, usually you don't get direct access to the order books. Uh, but with Bitcoin trading, you got the direct access. Uh, yeah, and then one day we met halfway basically between Vienna and Styria because we all said like, okay, we don't know the other person. <laughs> we don't know how it will work out. I don't want to go to Vienna. They, they didn't want to come to Styria. So we just met in the middle on the, on the highway somewhere in a the, in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically both of you took a one-hour drive, great efforts. Um, exactly, that and was the, the, and the investment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny investment uh, for, for something huge you, you guys have built. How was this journey from Bitpanda being founded, I would say from the garage to the unicorn, how, how, was, this, how was this journey for you? I mean, you, you were on the technical side, obviously, mm. um, but I know in the beginning as founders, you, you, you basically do everything yourself, right? You have your first investors and things change over time. And I would assume that there is big changes. I don't know, how many, how many employees do you have today? About 700. Yeah, so, wow, that's, that's, that's quite a size, right? Mm. Um, so how was this journey for you? I mean, in the beginning, it was very clear. I'm the technical co-founder, so I, I write the software. Uh, and we didn't have any investment in, in the beginning, basically. So we bootstrapped the first time. Uh, and we tried to keep our expenses very low. So everybody was living in their own flat. We didn't have a, we didn't have a office. Uh, then later, we rented one room, basically, because we just said, okay, we need to meet somewhere. Uh, and I was back then also in Styria, so I didn't move to Vienna in the first place. Uh, only later then, after like six months, it became very obvious, okay, I need to move here because it's really starting to grow and that's something really uh, big 
um, coming up. So we just said, okay, we need to get uh, all together in Vienna. We need, to, we need to get a proper office. We need to hire our first employee. Uh, and our first employee also was a software developer because we always said uh, our product is is the software basically, um, and the software needs to be the best software we can have because that's then a great product for the customer. Um, so yeah, first time we just coded basically. Paul and Eric tried to get all the contracts in place, the bank accounts, the the payment partners, all the legal stuff basically. So all the regulation, all the regulate regulations. So they really shielded me off that I had time to code for like I don't know 14 hours per day. Oh, wow! Every every day, uh, Saturday, Sunday, um, because we just felt like. Every day earlier, we can go online, we can earn money. And that was also the case when we went online. We posted somewhere on the internet, hey, we are, uh, there was a Bitcoin talk forum. We just posted there, hey, we are online now. We are now in the heart of Europe, in Austria, uh, with a bank account here. Uh, and yeah, on the first day, we already had, I don't know, like 20 customers, I think. Wow. And I, I would assume the first customers, I can remember like in, in my first business when I had the first customers going online and buying something, that actually felt great. Sure, yeah. We watched the database basically and we watched the first person to go through the flow and, and buy the first Bitcoin. Uh, then we watched the second person and then we already figured out like, okay, there are some flaws in our system. Um, we, need to, we need to change it. Uh, so uh, it was... Uh, great the first time, but it also was a very tough time, I think, because like, I don't know, for the first three months, we figured out a, a, a flaw or a bug or something in the system every second day. And then I quickly had to uh, change it in the middle of the night or, or um, spin up new servers, basically, because we got also more load. Uh, and that was basically a one-man show in the beginning. Wow. And is a product ever ever done? Do you, do you feel that a, that a product can ever be perfect? I mean, we're working now on the product for nine years. Yeah. And it still feels we can do so much better on so many different parts. I, I don't think it will ever be done, though. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have this feeling as well. Um, but also as a client, I must say thank you. The, the, the user experience is excellent. Um, for you personally, your role must have changed, right? From the beginning where you did everything yourself then growing a big team. Now you're chief science, uh, chief scientist, not CTO anymore. Mm. How, how did your personal development um, come about? How, 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 how was you or, or how have you been affected personally by this growth and, and the journey that you had? Mm. Uh, I would say that my, my role or, or the job I had to do basically changed every six months um, for the last nine years. Um, and it was constantly driving away from software development and coding to a real management position in the end. So in the first, first time, of course, I was coding. Then we hired some people. I was still coding. I think um, when we had like 15 or 20 developers, only, only then we started to say, okay, we need maybe a, an engineering manager to manage the, the teams uh, and, the, and the sprints and the roadmap and everything. And also the, the people management, it's, it's a very central part. And uh, I mean, for me personally, I really have to say, um, I didn't think about the people management in, part in the beginning. For me, it was always like, okay, every, every software developer wants to code. Everybody wants to know the whole part of the system, basically, and, and wants to get the, the best out of it. Um, but of course, when you start to hire people, 
uh, you get some people on board uh, and for them it's only only a job basically and then you need to have some steering around it you need to have some agreements you need to have some priority alignments basically on the roadmap and the bigger it gets the more complex it gets and and you have so many different opinions uh, and and then you need to start to have people management and yeah my role changed to be more a people manager and then be a manager of managers basically when you hire managers um, and yeah, I would say after many years, um, I figured out that that's, that's not the strength. That's not my biggest strength. Um, and I don't want to be in the position just to be in that position. I, I just think about the company and what I can do to bring the most value into the company and being a very high level manager is not the most value driving, driving from my side. So uh, we then just decided basically, okay, let's get a manager on board as a CTO who loves to do people management, who loves to manage processes uh, um, and uh, alignment and priorities and everything. Uh, and I would like to go a little bit more back into um, on the technical part on uh, in software development. And that's what we executed now. Basically, we got a new person on board. Uh, his name is Victor. He's, he's a CPTO, so combination of product and tech, um, uh, which we also said that would be a good idea, basically, because otherwise you always have the discussion between product and tech. Product, of course, wants to have everything tomorrow, uh, and tech has a limit of how much code you can build uh, in a sprint. Uh, and you also have building up technical depth, for example, um, and you also need to improve the systems when you get more load in. So there's always a little bit of fight basically between product and tech. Um, and the idea was when we combine this in one person, this person hopefully takes the best decision long-term for the company. Uh, so if I know there is a great product we want to build and we want to ship, but when I know at the same time we are piling up technical depth and we, want, we really need to invest now for, to scale the systems, then it's a tough decision to take. Uh, and um, that's this position basically. Yeah. And I now as a chief scientist, I have a small team. Um, and yeah, we are researching on, on how we can improve software, uh, technical architecture, but also now a little bit more in the direction of AI, how, we, how, do, how can we leverage new systems and new technology in the company. Okay, wow. So you're working on the future and uh, you're basically still in your entrepreneurial vision actively yeah that's right yeah because i mean um chief scientist so so uh that that sounds very scientific yeah Uh, but in the end it's a a role i just decided to give myself to to somehow transport the message uh, for innovation Um, but in the end uh, you can invest a lot of money and time on innovation and uh, experiments and science Mm. And you don't have any outcome mm-hmm. uh, because you can, there's always something new you can test. There's always something better you can do. But at some point, you also need to think about, okay, what do I get as a revenue for this investment? How do we earn money now with this with this thing, basically? And and that's where I try to combine my world from the last nine years building software and building a product for customers compared to what can we do in the future uh, and drive innovation, yeah. I think that's actually an extremely smart move because you have on the one hand, you have um, hired guns that are really strong and capable, right, of the management task. Mm. While you stay in this um, scientific frontier, you, you stay in this entrepreneurial role. 
And um, yeah, I think that's that's actually a really smart move. If you would if you would travel back in time, let's say try, time travel is possible, and you meet yourself being a teenager, what would your recommendation be to yourself? Very good question. <laughs> um, I would say even more focus and more risk taking. Uh, because uh, I remember in the beginning when I started my business, I always thought like, okay, um, how do I get my next job? How do, uh, what is the next hour I can sell basically? Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to hire an employee because it was always too much risk for me where I said like, okay, I need to pay a salary. What if this person gets sick? They, uh, they also need holiday, to go on holiday. Um, uh, what happens if I lose a job, for example, then it's, it's a risk. And even that small risk in the end, in hindsight now, of hiring one person uh, was holding me back, basically. I always said, no, I can do everything on my own. I will just uh, sell my hours uh, and that's it. Um, and of course, if you are happy in this situation and you, and you know there is a natural um, ceiling, like a natural limit of how much you can do, perfectly fine. But if you want to do more, more you definitely need to take more risk. Uh, and, and, and even more focused, basically. Um, put everything on, on one card and, and work day and night to get it done. And if not, then you know it at least earlier that it doesn't work and then you could, can go to the next one. I always say the beauty is when you start early is your parents are still paying the bills, right? When you're getting older, you have some uh, other constraints, uh, mm. you have cost of living, you have family, etc. Um, and here, risk taking gets more and more difficult the, the older you get. That's right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I also know that I was in a very lucky position, um, actually having a home. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I didn't have to pay rent back then. Uh, I also also earned already some money with trading, and uh, Bitcoin price was also in favor for me, so it went up. So that was good. Uh, but yes, there are a lot of people which actually cannot take the risk. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, I just know, I mean, um, um, how, what's the right word in English? Uh, when you're a mother, basically, mm -hmm. uh, and you're alone, you need to take care of your kids and you need to take care of your family. You cannot take the risk. There's even, there's not the time and there's not the possibility to take that. Mm. Yeah, clearly. If Now, I know that you invest, um, we are we're co-invested in one company, Eloop, fantastic mm. car sharing if you're ever in Vienna. Um, you invest in startups and obviously startup founders get super excited, right? A unicorn founder now as a business angel. What is, what is the extra? What is the smartness that you give with your investments? What do you look for in a founder? How do you challenge them? And how do you make sure for yourself that you have maybe one or the other unicorn in your, in your portfolio sooner or later? Um, I think one of the... Most important things for me personally, when I look at founders, is that they are building, that they're really in the office building something and not um, outside on the road somewhere on some events, mm. pitching all the time, talking about something, but don't build something. Those event hoppers, yeah, you, you try you, to stay away from. Yeah, there are so many people when they are they're very active. They are very maybe uh, known as well in the scene, and and they get invited to a lot of meetups or, or discussions or, or panel discussions. Uh, but in the end, when I think back uh, at Bitfunder at the times in the beginning when we were building and founded the company, there was no time to, to be on a, a stage somewhere and talk about something. 
uh, you need to spend the time in the office and, and build something. And um, I think that's that's very important. Yeah, and also focus. Uh, there are also some founders which um, start a company and then they have two other companies at the same time next to it because they just think, okay, whatever works, I will mm. focus more time then. But if you if you divide your time into so many different ideas and products, nothing will be great in the end. I think. Yeah, I fully agree. You're either either full time entrepreneur. Or you're just not an entrepreneur. Mm. Right? Um, yeah, I get that. It was great having you. Um, thanks for taking time. Luckily, we're nine years after you founded Bitpanda, so you have time for, for interviews today. Uh, it was great talking with you. I hope you guys liked it. And uh, I hope you also subscribe to Let's Talk About Tech.